Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And, uh, you know, I just thought of this. I, I probably will not have another opportunity. Beck and I are headed to Seattle tomorrow. So I want to say um, Merry Christmas to all of you. We're going to go and uh, spend some time with our daughter. Looking forward to that a great deal. Well, if you have to spend any time thinking about what it means for your own life and the lives, uh, lives of others, it, it doesn't take long to realize how amazing it really is. The God who created this universe hears our prayer. You know, I think of all the privileges that I've been given in life, and I'm hard-pressed to come up with one that's any greater, to be able to speak to the God who gives us life and to do this knowing that he cares for us and that he's attentive to our prayer. I mean, short of, of loving and serving God, I don't know what else tops the privilege of prayer. So this morning, we're in part three of a three-part series on prayer that, with a title, the title Heard, that points to this privilege that God's given to us, to each one of us, allowed us to have. And, uh, and so if you're joining us for the first time today, you could, uh, we'll let you know, you could go online, uh, uh, brookside.net, and you can watch the first two sermons. And we're answering three questions about prayer, the the why question, and the what question, and the how question. If you're with us two weeks ago, you know that Jeff answered, uh, began this series by answering the why question. Why should, why should any one of us take the time to pray? I mean, why do it? What's our motivation? And I, the more I thought about it, I'm convinced that Jeff gave the, really the best answer to that question, and he did it by focusing on this statement where we go, well, why should I pray? Why should you pray? Because of who we're talking to. We're talking to God and how God sees us and the relationship it builds. So really, think about it. When, when you pray, you're talking with the creator of the universe, with God himself. God who, who's perfectly holy. God who is so loving that he gave his son to be our savior. God who is infinitely wise, God who is understanding, who knows us better than we know ourselves, and God who is powerful, in fact, so powerful that God's unlimited in what he's able to do. That's, that's who you're talking with when you're praying. And you're also talking with God who sees you as his child. I mean, you think of the love that you have for your own children, how much you care for every part of their lives, how much you want the absolute best for them, how, how attentive you are to their smallest worry, their smallest problem, their smallest desire, and know that God does this all, you know, every bit of this for every one of us, but he does it with perfect love and perfect wisdom and perfect understanding. I mean, that's incredible. Factor all of this into prayer and it answers the why question, you know. It, it inspires you to pray. And, and like I said last week, it, it makes me wonder why I don't pray more often when I realize and really think about who it is that I'm talking with. Last Sunday, I, I went on to the second question, the, the, the what question, and answered that question. What should I pray? Or maybe even another way of saying it is, what can I pray? What can I bring to God in prayer? And because of who God is and how God sees us, you and I can know that there, there's nothing too big and there's absolutely nothing too small for us to bring 
to God in prayer. I mean, just think about it. How can any prayer, how can any prayer be too big for the God who created this universe? I mean, it's, it's just not possible. And if God sees you as his child, which God does, then it's equally impossible for any one of us to pray a prayer that is too small, too small to pray. You know, let's just tell you a fun little one from my life, uh, a small prayer. I uh, recently got a new phone, a uh, new, you know, and uh, 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 six. And, 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 and so I went to Verizon to get everything, uh, you know, transferred from my old phone to the new phone. And one of the things that I have on, that I've had on, on my phone uh, is all of, all of Greg's texts, okay, that he had sent me. And yes, I did the dumb thing. I, I didn't, you know, write them all out so that I, you know, it was always something I was going to do. So I went to Verizon and, and they downloaded everything from my old phone to the new one. And, and, and then they were going to wipe everything off my old phone. And I said, now, I can, because I had to go home. I didn't have the password for, for Wi-Fi, so I had to go home and, and, and you know, plug into Wi-Fi, and, and then it would down, download everything to my, uh, to, to my new phone. And, and I said, now, for sure this is really going to happen. I don't have to worry about this. And she said, yep. And, and, and then she wiped everything off my old phone. And, and believe it, it, sure enough, it happened. I got home put my password in, and there was just a bunch of stuff that did that download, including all of my texts from Greg. And I got to tell you, it just tore me up. Um, I got so upset about that, and I, I, I went back to the store, and I, I, I explained what happened and why it was so important to me, and I said, so now I can never get anything back from my phone, my old phone. She said, no, it's gone. And uh, so I had two days. I'm talking about small prayer now, okay? This is my small prayer. And I had two days. One night I hardly slept. The first night and the second night was kind of the same thing. I was just kind of woke up. It was really upsetting to me. And so the, 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 the morning of the, of the second day after this happened, I'm coming down early in the morning to have my, my private time, my, my own personal time of prayer and, and, and reading scripture. And as I'm taking the second to the bottom step, the cro thought crosses my mind, why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you pray about this? You know? And so I did. I said, God, it would just be so great if somehow that stuff would not be lost. And then I was going to go sit down on the couch where I have my, my reading the scripture and then, you know, as I'm, just as I'm sitting down, the thought comes, well, why don't you go check the old phone? Because I still had it. And I was just going to mail it back that day, uh, mail it to Verizon, um, thinking there was no hope. And so I went and I, I you know, opened, uh, opened it up. And just like it does with any new phone, it said, hello. And, and, and then told me what language, you know, I wanted to do. And so I pushed English and... And, and, and you know what happened? Everything came up. It was all there. Now, true. Somebody could say, you know, yeah, we, it was up in the cloud all the time. But the thing here that, so, that just grabbed me is that I really believe God put that thought in my mind to pray. And, and then to think that I would have mailed the phone back that day and it would have all been gone. And so... Went back to Verizon, showed them what happened, and they downloaded everything, and I've got all of Greg's texts. That's a small prayer. 
okay? I was a child crying out to God, you know, and, and God heard that small prayer of mine, and I just want to encourage you with that, okay? Um, I, that was, for me, like, <laughs> it's like another stake in the ground that God cares for us, okay? So what I did last Sunday, though, is I talked about big prayers. And, and you might say, well, that small prayer seemed like a pretty big one. Yeah, it was big for me, but it's a small prayer relative to all these other things that we can pray. And so I used this diagram, and, but w w the thing that I thought of is that really there is a seventh one. I had six last Sunday, but there's a seventh prayer that you and I need to pray that it, it, in fact, it is so important that if we don't pray it, in a certain sense, all the other's prayers will not, not be answered. We will not pray them with the intensity that we would pray if, if we didn't pray this first prayer. And the first prayer that we need to pray is that God would help us to love and care for spiritually lost people in the same way that God does. I mean, that's, that's where we gotta, that's where we gotta start out this, this prayer. And so, you know, I, I, there's a lot of scripture that I could take us to with this one. But I think perhaps the best scripture to take us to that talks about this is the one that's the most familiar to us. It's the one that Jesus shared with a man by the name of Nicodemus who, th who thought he wasn't far from God, but he was far from God. And he came to Jesus one night asking questions, and Jesus knew exactly what was on this guy's mind. And so he made this statement, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the kind of prayer we got to pray, that God will give us that same kind of love and care for spiritually lost people that will do whatever it takes in our own life to help them find and follow Jesus Christ, all right? So what I want, I want to encourage you to do and challenge you to do in 2015, and you don't have to wait to 2015 to start doing it, is to start praying those seven prayers, and either pray them all every day or pray one each day. It was so fun for me this last week. I, I got a text each day from one of the guys in the church. He, he, he had, every day he prayed one of those prayers for himself and for others. And I just want to say to you this morning, you, you start praying those big prayers, and it, it'll take your, your prayer to a whole nother level. Uh, it'll just, it'll, it, wow, Okay. <laughs> Good. I needed something to kind of emphasize that point. All right. Now, here's the third question. The how question. And, and the question is this. How can I make my prayer as effective as possible? As effective as possible. And, and really, this is a very strategic question for us to ask because of the, of the impact, the potential impact of prayer in the lives of other people. Prayer is a very powerful thing for us to do for others and for us to do for ourselves. So really, you and I should want to be as effective as we can possibly be at doing this. So I just want to give you a heads up. This is going to be it's going to be a, a, a very kind of practical workshop-type sermon. So if you don't normally take notes, I would, I would say encourage you to take notes, all right? And you've you got a bulletin there, and you'll see that what we're going to go through will be there for you. You'll be able to follow along as we go. But I, I just want to mention a couple things before, before we start digging into this. And, and here's what I want to say, first of all. I, I want to thank all of you for what you have done for me 
as I've been a pastor of this church for the, for the last 33 years, that's been so motivating for me. I, can look, I have the privilege of looking out in this audience each Sunday that I preach, and I know that many of you want to make the most of your walk with God. You, I mean, each, each Sunday I see your genuine responsiveness to God's Word, and I see you wanting to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're living out the mission that we've been given as a church. You're, you, you yourself, you're helping people find Jesus Christ, and, and you're, you're doing this in your own personal life, and, and you're doing it together with this church family. Um, I was like, so excited for one of the guys uh, in our Thursday group this week. He, he had a conversation with a friend of his uh, about, uh, about his faith in Jesus Christ. And I just thought, man, way to go. That's what we're all about as a church, is helping people find Jesus, okay? And I know that when it comes to this whole matter of prayer, what we're talking about this morning, I know that there are many of you here today Man, you want to be as effective as you can possibly be in your prayer life. I mean, I don't, I don't have to convince you of this. You want to have an effective prayer life. And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk this through with you this morning to help answer this question. You might be here today, and God's a whole new, new deal in your life. Prayer, you would say, you know what, Steve? I haven't prayed once. Or you might say, my prayer has been very hit and miss. I've, you know, there have been a few times that I prayed for myself or prayed for other people. But honestly, Steve, prayer has not really been, been a big part of my life. And, and if that's true for you, I want to thank you for being here. I'm excited for the privilege of sharing what I'm, what I'm going to share. But I just want to say this, okay? So you don't have to worry as I'm going through this. You can take small steps toward what I'm going to talk about this morning. Don't feel like you got to be a number 10, you know, like right away. I mean, God understands us better than we understand ourselves. So God doesn't have any kind of unrealistic expectation for any one of us when it comes to this thing of prayer. So let's, let's dig right in. I'll get a drink, and we'll begin with number one. So the first thing you can do to strengthen your prayer is to build into it praise and gratitude. Praise to God and gratitude to God for everything that God's done in your life. You know, I I think it's no accident that the largest, longest book in in the Bible, the book of Psalms, is all about praise and all about gratitude to God. And so to state the obvious, it only makes sense that you and I would include praise and gratitude in our prayer. I mean, God is totally worthy of us doing that. But why I'm saying here that, it's, that including this in our prayer, it makes for very effective prayer, is because praise, praise to God and gratitude to God helps us rise above our natural inclination towards self-centeredness and, and to become more Christ-centered in, in our own lives. I mean, isn't it true? It's so easy to stay focused on ourselves, both in our prayer and in our life. And so the truth is, you and I, we need praise and gratitude more than God needs to hear it from us. Okay? So that, that, that's why I would say include it in your prayer. Very, 
very effective for what it can do in your life. Now, there's two things to do to, you can do to build this into your prayer, all right? Number one, and I used to do this for years, and I'm, you know, it's been, a, it's been a bit since I've actually done it, but I used to read one psalm every day from the Old Testament. I, that would be, that would really be, that would be how I would begin my, my reading of Scripture in the morning. I'd read a psalm, and then I'd read the passage of Scripture that I was at at that point. And it was just to help me know, you know, what should I praise God for and, and help me understand better what should I thank God for. So that's one thing to do. Number two, I would, I would encourage you as you go through each day, identify, don't let a day go through without identifying one thing that you can praise God for and one thing that you can express gratitude to God for. Okay, it's like a discipline. You build that into your life, praising God and thanking God, all right? That's number one. The second thing you can do to strengthen your prayer so, so it's more effective is to be intentional in growing in your knowledge of God. And, and I say this because the, the better we know God, the better we're able to trust God. Isn't that true? You know God better, and the more you can trust him. The more confidence you have, not only in God's ability to answer your prayer, but also you can, have, you can have confidence that God's desire is to do what's best for you and, and best for other people. So you can really trust God. And, and when you trust God, your faith in God uh, is, becomes stronger. It strengthens. It strengthens, all right? Which in turn increases the effectiveness of our prayer. Because what we discover in the Bible is that there's a direct connection between answered prayer and our faith. We just can't get away from that. There's a connection between our faith in God and answered prayer. Now, I want to I show you an example of this uh, <clears throat> from, from Matthew's Gospel in chapter, chapter 17. And let me just give you a little heads up to this. This is like, a, this, is a, this is a very serious passage of scripture, very intense, okay? So prepare yourself. Uh, Matthew writes, when they came to the crowd, and the they there are Jesus and the disciples, so evidently they were uh, away, you know, privately, and then now they're coming back to the crowd, and we read this, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, and this is what he said. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And then he said this. And I'm guessing that when he said this next thing, the disciples probably felt like they, could, they wished they could just disappear, like melt away in the crowd. He said, I, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now, I'll tell you, if the disciples felt like melting into the crowd when they heard this guy say this, what Jesus said next really must have made them wish like they could disappear. Because this is what Jesus said. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? I mean, can't you just feel like the color rising? If you were one of the disciples, like, man, it's getting really hot out here, you know? And, and then Jesus said, bring the boy here to me. 
uh, and, and then we read this, Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then you can almost put it like a little pause between here, because evidently Jesus got away with the disciples. They're away from the crowd, and, and we read this. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked him they, the question. They said, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we heal this boy? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And then he said, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. They come to Jesus in private, and they said, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said, because you have so little faith. And then he said something, which, if you put it with what he already said about their faith, helps us understand how little their faith really was, that it was closer to no faith at all. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. He's saying to these men, it's not that you need huge faith for this boy to be healed. It's just that you needed faith in God, however small that faith may be. Even if it's as small as a grain of mustard seed. He's saying the smallest little bit of trust in God can bring amazing results. I think this is one of the most promising statements about faith and prayer that we could ever hope to find. It, it, it's showing us that mountain-moving faith isn't faith in ourself. It's, it's not faith in the size of our faith. It's simply faith in God. It's knowing all of what God's able to do. It's knowing that God responds to our prayer out of everything that's true about God himself, his wisdom, his love, his understanding. It's knowing all of this and then trusting God as we pray. So how do we know all of that? How, how do we grow in our knowledge of God? How do we really grow in our understanding of what God's able to do and what God's willing to do? How does that happen? Well, I thought of two ways, and you might write these down, all right? Uh, number one, the only way you're ever going to grow in your knowledge of God, and this is basic, okay? This is, this is basic. The only way is if Scripture's a part of your daily life. That, that's the only way your faith in God's going to grow. It's a, it, it is simply impossible for your faith in God to grow if you don't learn, learn and understand more about God. And the best way that you and I can learn more about God is through God's word itself, what God tells us about himself. And so I want to just challenge you in 2015... Don't, don't, don't go through 2015 with Scripture hit and miss in your life. Go into 2015 with a commitment to making Scripture a daily part of your life. Let God speak to you each day, all right? Number two, 
Your faith in God will grow. Your understanding of God will grow as you take steps of faith in attempting things for God that can only be done in God's strength. Every time you get out of your comfort zone and do something that you know you can't do yourself, you're going to learn that much more. You're going to have that much more confidence in God because you're going to see God do what you could not do for yourself, right? Number three. The third thing you can do to make your prayer more effective, and this again is right from Scripture, it's to abide in Christ. And that brings us to the 15th chapter of John's Gospel where Jesus uses a common grapevine and his branches to illustrate the, the truth that the only way that it's possible for any one of us to be spiritually fruitful, including the fruitfulness of our prayer, is, is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. He's the vine and we're the branches. And so uh, verse 5, we read this. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide or remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he made this amazing statement in verse 7. He said, if you abide, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, here's the promise, everybody. Ask, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow. That's, a, that's an incredible statement, isn't it? Like, really? I can ask whatever I wish and it's going to be done for me? See, what's so important is you and I, in order for us to experience this in our life, for it to really happen, you and I need to understand what it means to abide in Christ because that's the condition, right? Abide in me and you can ask whatever you wish and it's going to be done for you. So what does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? Now, you might want to write this down, okay? It's living in such close relationship with Jesus that his character is formed in you. His life flows in you in the same way the, the life-sustaining nutrients flow from the vine into each branch. And among other things, this influences, it shapes your prayer. You begin to want what he wants, and the prayers he would pray if he were in your situation becomes the prayers you pray. Okay? Don't miss that. Let me say it again. The prayers he would pray if he were in your situation become the prayers you pray. You see, can you understand why those prayers are answered? There's no question they're in the will of God. The fourth thing you could do to increase the effectiveness of your prayers is to think of prayer as a discipline. As a discipline. One of the things that impresses me in reading Paul's letters to the churches is how committed he was to pray for every one of them. Let, let me give you two examples, all right? Uh, uh, in his letter to the Ephesians, he said, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, he said, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayer. And then he said this to the Colossians. He said, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Now, I want to tell you, I'm convinced that Paul could not have done this if prayer had not been an intentional discipline in his life. You see, Paul didn't pray just when he was in the mood. Like, okay, I'm in the mood today, so I'm going to pray today. I feel like praying today. It was none of that. He, he was disciplined. He was intentional in his prayer. He built it into his life. So now, let's be real practical about this. Here, here are four things you can do to make prayer discipline in your life. Number one, you got to plan a time for it every single day. It's not just going to happen. You got to know when you're going to do it, and you got to know where you're going to do it. And so you got to, you got to, you got to have a. So for me, it's 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 in the morning. For Becky, it's in the evening before she before she goes to bed. Okay, we're at opposite ends of the day, but we know we plan that. I mean, I've, it's been that way for us for years. The the other thing we do is we we have a set place for where we do it. We don't change places all the time. So when I, when I go down into the basement and I sit on that couch, my brain, like it's when my, when my sit, seat sits down on that couch, my brain kicks in. Oh, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, all right? Number two, or number three, uh, use a prayer journal, okay? Now, I was talking with the guys that I meet with on Thursday morning. We brought some new guys in the group, and I said, guys, like I said two years ago to the guys that started two years ago, I said, we're not talking diary here, okay? I mean, guys don't like that word diary. You know, I'm going to write out all my feelings. That, that's not, guys don't do, so I, what we're, I said, when you get a journal, because I, I really believe in having a journal where you write out your prayers, call it a man journal, Okay? It's a man journal. In fact, you could think of it this way. You could think of it as you could make your own man journal out of the leather, leather of the hide of some animal that you, that, that, you mass, you know, that you slaughtered, okay? That you shot, all right? That's what we're talking about, a man journal, that kind of a deal. Or you could go to Target and buy one, all right? Okay? So I, I went to Target. But just, just understand that. Understand this, guys. Lewis and Clark kept a journal. All right? And they were men. I mean, they opened up the whole Louisiana Purchase, right? So journaling's a man's thing to do, all right? Now, now here's uh, number four with this whole thing. That little, that little diagram that I got in the bulletin for you that I, that I went through last Sunday, do not throw it away. You gotta be intentional to pray big prayers in your life. If if you're not intentional about this, and this is where a journal is so so powerful, you can take that thing and you can put it in your journal and you can use it as a guide in your own personal prayer life. Okay? So don't just pray little prayers. Be be intentional in praying big prayers. All right? Now, next one, number five. View prayer as a way of life. Okay, now I, I believe this is what Paul meant when he when he talked about praying continually and constantly, when he, when he made this statement, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or when he made this statement, uh, uh, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Paul's not saying, I prayed every single minute of every single day. That's, that's not what he's talking about. 
what he's talking about is how in the flow of a day, you know, in the flow of a day, whether it's making a decision or having a conversation with somebody that's going to impact their life in a big way or we're faced with some kind of a problem or some kind of a challenge, in the flow of the day, we can bring our need to God in prayer. We can ask for God's strength and God's wisdom and God's guidance. And I, I mean, I'll just tell you, uh, there have been so many times in my life after I've gone through something where I hadn't prayed, and I go like, why didn't I just stop and pray about it? You know, it just, why? It's like, kick me, okay? i am got to learn that one over and over again, okay? Here's, here's a final one. Deal with sin because sin will definitely make your prayer ineffective. Let me give you a scripture with this. Uh, David said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Okay, you see that? If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In, in other words, if, if I was determined to keep on sinning and not being, you know, uh, allow, allowing God to have control of every area of my life, what it's saying is God's not going to listen to your prayer. Okay? Uh, I, it's pretty big, I would say. Uh, in contrast to that, if we turn from our sin, if we confess it, we become powerhouses of prayer. Uh, James said, Therefore, confess your sins to each other, to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then it says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know what a righteous man is? A righteous woman? It's somebody who acknowledges their sin, they confess that sin to God, and they turn away from it. It doesn't mean they're perfect all the time. It means that they're honest about sin in their life, and they turn from that sin. Okay, so let me give you three examples. Um, and there's many, many more, but three examples of, of, uh, uh, of sin that makes prayer ineffective. The first one is selfishness. Uh, this statement from Scripture, uh, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. James said that. I mean, um, uh, it's very easy, isn't it, to be selfish in our prayer? To, you know, to, where we're only focusing on ourselves rather than on others. I, I think a good question to ask ourselves is, how much of what I pray is about me? That's why I think a journal can be so good. Because it helps you get realistic about what am I really praying over a period of time. And if we keep noticing ourselves on the page over and over again, you know, and very little about anything else, then we go like, mm, maybe I'm getting a little, a little bit selfish here. Max, Max Lucado uh, and a group called Lifeway Research did a survey on what people pray. I thought this was kind of fun. 20% pray to win the lottery. Okay? Uh, 14% pray for God to avenge someone who hurt them. 11% uh, pray for their favorite team to win a game. Now, I got to confess this. Last year with the NBA, I mean, I, I sung so low at one point, I actually prayed for my team to win. That's pretty dumb, pretty bad. Anyway, um, so I, I did that once. 9% uh, pray to find a good parking spot. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? God, help me find a parking spot. Come on, confess. Okay. Um, um, uh, seven, I, I love this one. Seven percent pray to not get caught speeding. Like, yeah, come on, you know. God, I want to drive fast. Please, you know, nobody see me driving so fast or 
somebody, not see me. Okay, okay. Now, closely connected to this is an uncaring attitude toward those in need. All right, I mean, look at this. Here's a, here's a scripture. If a man shuts his ear to the cry, his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Whoa. I mean, do you get what that's saying? If you and I are not listening, if we're not in tune with the needs of other people, with those who, who are in poverty, God's not going to be listening to us. I mean, t- whoa. That's like, heads up, <laughs> you know. And then how about this one? Husbands not caring for their wives. Uh, this scripture, uh, um, uh, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. I always wonder what that means, like weaker. Becky's not any weaker than me. I mean, well, physically, yeah. Well, but any, and, and, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Nothing will hinder your prayers. I mean, so, you know, I think what applies to one applies to the other. So, heads up, husbands and wives. You know, how you treat each other affects um, what's going to happen as a result of your prayer. Okay? So, five ways to be effective in your prayer. Praise and gratitude, growing in your knowledge of God, including praise and gratitude in your prayer, growing in your knowledge of of God, abiding in Christ, being disciplined about it, allowing it to be a part of, of the flow of your way of life, and then dealing with sin, okay? Now, I say all of this today knowing that we're all at different points spiritually. And some of you I know are here this morning, and prayer has either not been a part of your life at all, or just been a very minimal part of your life. It might be that you have never once in your life said anything to God in, in any way, any conversation with God at all. You never, never prayed. And I want to encourage you with this, okay? God, remember how God sees you. God sees you as his child. And I, do, remember, parents, how excited, how much you were waiting for the first word that your son or daughter said, your children would say, when they first began to speak? Remember when they first started doing that? The very first words they said to, said to you, how thrilled you were to hear them say that. Like, how thrilled it made you say, it, it made you feel when they said, you know, Dada for the first time or mama or however they said it. You know, remember that? Same way with God. See, don't ever feel, don't feel bad that you've never talked with God. God's just waiting for you to say your very first words to him. God's waiting for you the very first time you say to him, Father, Father. He's waiting for that. And then, you know, if you're here today and you're saying, but you know, Steve, there's part of my life that I don't want to talk, you know, there's parts of my life I can talk to God about, but there's other parts of my life I don't want to, I don't want to bring it to God. I'm ashamed of it or I don't want to disappoint God. I feel like God won't love me if I bring that to him. I just want you to know there isn't anything you could tell God that would stop God from loving you. Just like us with parents, Right? There's not, a, there's not a thing our son or daughter could say to Becky and, and myself that would make us stop 
loving them. Nothing at all. Nothing. No? And even if you're feeling like, well, I hardly ever have conversation with God. It's been a long time since I've talked to him. What's he going to feel like if I come and talk to him now? It's been years. Well, you know, I remember as a parent, when our children went through a certain age, they didn't talk to us very much. Remember that? When you were just, like they were, up to a certain age, they talked all the time. They told you everything. And then they hit an age where, like, how'd your day go? Fine. You, know, you just remember what you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, God just the same with God. God just wants God just wants to hear us. He's he says, eager to hear us talk to him as we are for our children to talk to us. And if you're here this morning and what I've talked talked about, you've done this for years. You've prayed big prayers for years, it's been a part of your life. I just want to say to you, way to go, way to go. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful because because through your prayer, the lives of so many people have been impacted for so many years. So way to go. Thank you.